slow living really means how are we integrating different practices, different values, and different ways of also decision-making to really honor what we need, right? Slow living doesn't always mean we're going to be like on a beach drinking a mocktail or a cocktail and life is going to be good. But I think it really means what are the practices? How do we have the self-awareness and how do we know not only how do we work best, but what is the type of life that we want to be living? And then how can our work support that to really be able to be not just slow, but also sustainable. Black women are tired. In a world that constantly demands more from Black women, I am giving Black women permission to join me in actively opting out of societal expectations that are weighing us down. The Black Women Opt Out is more than just a podcast. It's a movement towards owning our freedom, reclaiming our time, and opting in to softer expectations for ourselves. Join me, Deandra Coleman, on this transformative journey as I explore insightful conversations, practical strategies, and inspiring stories that resonate with your soul. Welcome, everybody, to the Black Woman Opt Out podcast. If you are a returning listener, I welcome you back. If you are brand new to this movement, please sit back grab a cup of tea or coffee or whatever it is that you choose to drink and listen up. Today, we have some really amazing gems that are going to be dropped by a Miss Sienna J. Brown. And let me let you know a little bit about her. Sienna J. Brown empowers leaders to embrace intentionality, guiding them in creating lives, leadership styles, and legacies aligned with their authentic selves. Over the past decade in Spain, Sienna has cultivated an international lifestyle centering on slow living, holistic self-care, and alignment with core values. While leading multi-million dollar initiatives and scaling mission-driven organizations, Sienna is also a thought leader on global platforms like TEDx, NPR, Vogue, Essence, and Insider. With a privilege of educating over 30,000 individuals, Sienna has helped them unlock their leadership potential and design an aligned life. Sienna's journey stands as proof that reimagining life, redefining success, and making a meaningful impact while staying true to oneself is possible. The world needs your leadership and Sienna is here to help navigate your journey without sacrificing yourself along the way. Amazing. I mean, that sounds so dope. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm just, I'm so happy to be here. What a lovely introduction. I'm really excited to, yeah, dive in and get into all of the nitty gritty behind the bio. What does that actually mean in real time? Yes. Okay. So in your bio, there was something that immediately stood out to me. And it is this concept of slow living. Um, And so that really, truly, I think, embodies what the Black woman opt out really and truly is about, right? Like like this idea of slowing down. So what does slow living mean to you? And can you explain how that came to be the lifestyle that you are leading right now? Oh, I love that question. I also think it's a really 
loaded question, especially because we're in a time of like the soft life, X, Y, and Z. And so for me, slow living really means how are we integrating different practices, different values, and different ways of also decision-making to really honor what we need, right? Slow living doesn't always mean we're going to be like on a beach drinking a mocktail or a cocktail and life is going to be good. But I think it really means what are the practices? How do we have the self-awareness and how do we know not only how do we work best, but what is the type of life that we want to be living? And then how can our work support that to really be able to be not just slow, but also sustainable. And so my journey here has definitely been a long one. And I think it's ongoing, right? We're always students in the game as well, but I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, and New York is the opposite of slow living. Um, And I love Brooklyn. Brooklyn is wonderful. And there became a time in my life where I said, this is great, but is this really for me? Right. And so also in my bio, and this is a huge part of my story, but I've actually been living in Spain for almost a decade, I think. I'll finish 10 years um, next year in 2024 or in 2024. And so for me, my decision to move to Spain really had to do with what does freedom look like and feel like for me? And so I spent a six month stint back in 2012. And it was really interesting because it was like opening my eyes to a different way of life. Of course, I've gone on vacation before I've traveled, but really being able to say, what is the day to day like for different cultures? And in Spain, there was a weekend that always stood out for me. It was a month after my program had ended and I was hanging out and spending time with Spanish friends that I had made. And we were just doing some simple stuff, just like I think it was a Saturday. We had a really long lunch. We were all hanging out. Someone started playing the guitar, like very typical Spanish Mm -hmm. envisioning. And I had this moment of like, this is what life is actually like for these people on a frequent basis. And Mm -hmm. so... I really made this decision to be able to say, how can I do what I can to try and experience something like that, where it's not just living slowly, but actually finding fulfillment and being fully present in all of the moments that you're in. And so, yeah, my time in Spain, my time living here has definitely shifted and shaped and redefined what slow living means to me. Living a slow life also means dedicating, whether it's 20 minutes to an hour for myself in the morning. That might be spending an hour to do like a silent meditation with with myself, with my thoughts as I'm walking my dogs. I like to be efficient, right? It could be a variety of things, but really thinking about what are the ways that I want to live my life? What does slow living mean for me? Again, I don't take meetings on Wednesdays or on Mondays, ideally, to be able to honor the different, yeah, the different flows that we have Mm -hmm. and yeah, the society we live in. Yeah. So there's so much that you said there. The first... Mm -hmm thing that popped up and then I want to make sure we get back to your full story but this idea of whatever slow living is to you right but the sustainability of it and I think that that is where a lot of us just kind of push the pause button right because we're like we know we want to opt out of certain things we know we want life to be different, but is it truly sustainable, right? And how do we reach that level of um, comfort in this new lifestyle that we're leading? Because for many of us, it, it might be walking away from that corporate job that has been our safety net for so long, right? Or it might be 
um, walking away from a relationship that's no longer serving us. But in this new life, how do we sustain what it is that we truly want without reverting right to who we used to be? Listen, okay, I love this topic. And I think that it's so important that you bring this up, right? Because the way that I also think about it is two things. One, actually identifying not just what do you want to change, but who do you want to be, right? And I think in that process of where I am right now, my real self and my ideal self, there will be a journey, right? You might say you're at a five right now and you want to get to an eight, or you might be at a two and you want to get to a 10, right? But I really believe, and like this is a framework that I use with a lot of my clients of clarity, consistency, confidence, right? So really being able to gain clarity on that vision of what does that look like? What are the values that I also want to be moving with on my journey, right? And then really being able to say, how do I start off making it easy? Because something else that we do a lot, and this is like, it's, I think it's one of the things that excite me the most. We put too much on our plates and then we get frustrated because we feel like we're not doing enough. And that was something that I learned, I want to say like seven years ago, of being able to say, oftentimes by self-created expectations or being really ambitious, we end up setting ourselves up for failure when we think we're setting ourselves up for success. And it's so true. And I think it's something that's very real, right? Because again, I'm sure all of the listeners on your podcast, like we are ambitious, we have goals, we want to change the world, we want to make a better, yeah, a better generational narrative, whatever it is, right? It's also like, we want to do it all, we want to do it all now. Because we try to find that sense of fulfillment in those achievements versus being able to stop and say, okay, I can have those big dreams and those big goals, but really aligning that ambition to who I want to be. And then also learning to realize that like, the journey is the goal. The goal isn't the goal, you know? And I don't know, again, I'll, I'll go back really quickly. So we have clarity, clarity on what that vision looks like, consistency, making it easy. So giving yourself, and I like to think of them as experiments, but small experiments. So not saying, how am I trying to get my waist right and make six figures more and like find a partner, like all of these different things. <laughs> It's true, but then we said we want to do it all and we want to do it all now because then that's when I'll be my ideal self versus being able to say, hold on, where am I actually right now? What are the core buckets holistically in my life that I want to be focusing on in this season? And that might change, right? But then also, how am I making sure that it's sustainable, that I can be consistent? Because oftentimes, like, it doesn't actually take as much as we think it does, but it's just about showing up in small ways. And then that leads us to getting that confidence of like, oh, I could do this or, oh, this wasn't as hard or working through it in that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things that I work with my clients on also is living from a values-based per uh, perspective, right? Like what are those values that you really want to live by and ensuring that you are infusing them into your daily decisions, right? So like, I, and I know I've mentioned this before in the podcast, one of mine is laughter, like if I can't do it and do it with joy and laughter, like I'm out. You know what I mean? If I if I think it's gonna like cause me to 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 cry or to at this point in my life, I don't want any parts of it, right? So having that as like a guiding light as you move on this journey. But I think the other piece that you um, mentioned that is so profound, and we've talked about it before, is this level of being able to stay consistent, right? We are high functioning 
highly ambitious Black women who feel, who have been taught, it has been ingrained in us that we have to do more, 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 more just to get half as much, right? And when we consciously make that decision to step back and not put everything on our plate, like Thanksgiving, all at one time, right? And we're just eating maybe three of the dishes instead of all of it. Mm. Um, Our nervous system doesn't know how to respond to that, right? And so we we start feeling like we're not doing enough. We're not, we're not having the sustenance that we're Mm. used to. And, and it's causing us to feel like we are failing because our nervous system has been so programmed to just pile everything on. And the movement that this is really about is learning how to take stuff off of your plate mm-hmm. and this, right? Like, mm-hmm. and chill out and know that you cannot move ahead and gain anything if you can't be consistent and you can't be consistent mm-hmm. if you have too much on your plate. Yeah. I I love this. And I was resonating with so many of the different things that you're saying. One thing I want to like lean into a little bit is yes, with the idea of consistency, being able to say also like, how am I showing up for myself first? Right. And while that might sound like, Ooh, what? No, but I have to show up for my partner or for my kids or for my CEO whatever that might look for my clients, whatever that looks like, but really being able to say as corny as it is, like you can't pour from an empty cup, but I want to kind of rephrase that of being able to think about it as when we think about leadership, right? And when we think about the way that we want to be leading both in our work and also our lives, we need to start with ourselves, right? I'm sure if you have a team member, you'll probably say, please take the PTO, you'll be fine. How can you give yourself that same grace and being able to say, how am I taking time for myself? For me, I recently just took two weeks off in the month of November. It's my birthday month. I'm a Scorpio. Um, But I took two weeks off and I do this quite frequently, two weeks off, maybe two times a year and then little breaks in different quarters, but really being able to say, I need to take that time off to recenter myself, to regain that self-awareness, to identify what I need to be leaning into because it will then make me a better leader, a better partner, a better friend, um, a better daughter, a better sister, all of these different roles that I play. And so, yeah, I think that's really important to lean into. Um, And also really quickly on the value system, I'll just share a quick story of something that like why values are so important, even in core moments. So recently I'm making a big life transition right now, not announcing it yet, but it's something that's extremely exciting and It's a process that like society might say, oh, this is really hard to do. How are you going to be able to all of the perceptions from other people's experiences? And everything was going really smoothly. I was centering some of my core values for me in this stage of my life. It's abundance, ease, and support. And I'll repeat those again, abundance, ease, and support, where if you would have asked me five years ago, it would have been like independence, resilience, all of these different things. But by really using and centering those core values, even before I was ready. Now I live and breathe them every day, but it was kind of a stretch to say, what does abundance look like? How do I kind of shift from that survival mindset that you were talking about before of, well, I should be grateful to be where I'm at. Well, why would I ask for more? Is that selfish of me, et cetera, to really being able to say and shifting a little bit to say, I'm grateful and I have worked hard to be in this position. 
And I know I deserve it because also I know I will allow to create other opportunities. I will be able to be an example of what that looks like. And so there's almost a mindset shift as well of really being able to say with your core values and what does that look like? How do you make sure that you can also center them in the hard moments and trust that your vision and your way of doing life is true and authentic? Because again, society limiting beliefs, all of those things will tell us, well, you shouldn't be able to, or why do you think you would, or, oh, that's nice for you, but, and then all of their limiting beliefs behind it, you know? Yes, yes. And that is, you know, opting out of these societal expectations, you know, because they are part of what hold us back from really, truly living the way that we want to live. And, um, I think what you said about taking those predetermined breaks, it's so important because if you don't, I think then you'll find yourself in a space where I am right now, which for me is a year long sabbatical. Cause I'm like, I need time to refocus. I need time to really figure out what the rest of my life is going to be. I did the corporate ladder. I climbed it to the top. You know, I started my business and I, I made that super successful, but I still felt like I was not resting, right? Like sleeping. Sure. But that, that rest that I really truly need, it just was not happening. And that is with me. I don't do meetings on Mondays, right? Mm. Fridays. I don't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that has historically been since I started my company, my hard and fast rules, like give me Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for all of the nitty gritty meaty stuff of my business. Mm -hmm. Monday, I do more of my admin CEO type of stuff. Right. And that is with those breaks kind of built in. And I'm mm -hmm. using air quotes for those of you uh, listening. Right. Like breaks. Um, but it wasn't enough. Right. And so this idea of finding your slow, whatever that means, right? Living and, and, and moving forward via your values mm -hmm. is what's going to, in my opinion, really help you figure out what this, you know, opt out lifestyle looks like for you. What are those societal expectations that you're just ready to chuck the deuces to, right? Yeah. Everybody, like you said, Sienna, like piles on their experiences unsolicited or not, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and you're like, well, I don't, I can't subscribe to this. Or now you're in your head thinking about all of these things that happen to other people, but their story is not your story and you get to write your own narrative. So that being said, I want us to move into how you have come to live in Spain for the past 10 years and what that journey really looked like for you. Yeah, I love that. And I think this is definitely aligned with redefining or recreating your own narratives, right? And so, again, I moved to Spain for the long run back in 2014, where digital nomads wasn't really a thing. The visa, the access to easy visas wasn't a thing. But I remember being in a space and I was at one of those like pivotal moments of I was doing great. I was working by the Brooklyn Bridge. I had a good job out of college, everything I call it my bacon, egg, and cheese chapter. Cause like the most exciting part of my day was getting that delicious bacon, egg, and cheese. Probably the only thing I miss about New York. Um, <laughs> I know, right? But then I laugh because, and this is also something that like I talk a little bit in my journey is like, okay, well I've upgraded now. Then it was like Spanish and tapas being by the sea. Now it's like Michelin, 
I mean, I don't go to Michelin stars, but like that kind of mentality, you know what I mean? So really being able to think of what we think might be great in that moment, we could have something much bigger waiting for us on the other side of that fear, you know? And for those of you who are listening, who might be in a moment where like, you're very comfortable, you feel like, okay, this is good, but why would I make a change? I just want to encourage you that oftentimes it might be hard to visualize and gain that clarity of what that next chapter is if you don't have examples or you haven't seen other folks do that before. But just trust, again, like a lot of us might be first generation, being one of the first in a lot of different ways, but really being able to say you get to decide and you deserve to decide what that trajectory looks like. So my story, um, when I first moved back to Spain, I actually went as an English teacher and like not many people know this about my story because it was not how I branded myself. So for me, I was an English teacher for the first three years, which was the easiest way to move over to Spain. But during that time, I think I was working like 20 hours a week. I was able to be here legally, but I had decided to grow a business organization um, called Las Morenas de España and its age and then that transition to master move abroad. But essentially what I was really focusing on is how are we redefining the Black experience in Spain? And then that turned into really being able to provide opportunities for individuals, specifically women of color, to move abroad and find remote work. Mm. So obviously that was very aligned with my own personal life experience, my desire to change representation. And I thought it was really great because I think in the first three to five years, there was a ton of international press we were really starting the market. So this was in like the travel noir era. And that was more focused on travel where we were more focused on what does it look like to move and live abroad? Mm -hmm. And so over time, and this is just one of the aha moments of like keeping your vision and values. I was there for three years. And I remember when I first moved to Spain, everybody had an opinion or a perspective of you like people can't stay in Spain long term. If you do, you're gonna have to be a teacher forever, or you have to marry a Spaniard. It's really hard for Americans, et cetera. And I was like, cool, watch me. <laughs> call this you have to make it in me, call this whatever you want to call it. But I was like, that's nice for you. And I was really committed in being able to say, how can I make this work on my own terms? So you have to be in Spain, or you had to rather be in Spain for three years before you can get an offer from a Spanish company. And that was like the, I don't know what the saying is in English, but it was like the thing that no one could ever really achieve, right? Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting because I remember as I was teaching English, I was like, this is a means to an end, but it is not my end. And so that consistency, and I often share this and people are surprised, but I remember when I was working on growing my business, I only dedicated like one to two hours a day, hmm. which was, but one to two hours a day consistently over three and a half years, which just really had that ripple effect. But it was this thought of how am I still positioning myself for the opportunities that I do want and where I want to be going. And so that three-year mark hit, better believe that literally in that three-year mark, I got offered to work for a Spanish company. They sponsored my residency. It was in the role that I was doing when I was back in New York and really focused on something innovative. Dope. And make that transition. And again, it was hard because when I was living where I was living, I was like, oh, I'm very comfortable. But do I want to take this job? I could be teaching adults and like having these limiting beliefs. And I was like, girl, you know, you don't want to be an English teacher. Although this is a nice opportunity. What are you doing? You know, but during that time, I had a really 
important experience, which was going on a trip to Reunion Island, which is like next to Madagascar. It's really beautiful. Um, but I was there for a week and I did not bring my computer and I just truly disconnected, right? So again, that moment of intentional sustainability. And during that trip, it shifted the way that I thought because I was like, what if I wasn't just living my life centering work and my professional goals, but started living my life centering my life, right? Mm -hmm. And so that really shifted my idea of how can I start attracting professional opportunities that are aligned with my personal aspirations um, versus the other way around. And that changed a lot for me. So I'll speed through it. But um, it was really interesting because then I moved to Javier, which is where I live now, which is paradise. I love it. It's right by the Mediterranean. It's amazing. Um, and just over time, over the last, I've been here for seven years, but it's really just led me to still integrating the philosophy of living solely, but still being able to reach really important goals. So like I had worked at that organization for a long time. I had then moved into the organization that I'm in now where I grew our DEIB department. Now I'm leading our talent experience over the last three years. I've also refined and revised my own offerings to really start focusing more on leadership. I opened up a co-working space here. I found my life partner. I've like purchased various properties in Spain. And so the list goes on and like the list is dope. But I think with that list, the most important thing is like who I've grown to become as an individual and a leader. And so again, in my bio, you heard a little bit of like, I really focus on the soul life, but I've also done some stuff in my career. Right. And so it's like those two things don't have to live in isolation. It doesn't have to be you need to be driven, focused, hustling with no breaks, et cetera, to have that success. But I almost view it as because I've been able to really focus on my energy management, know when and how I work best, know how to communicate my boundaries know how to all of these different things that's what makes me a better leader to be able to do that with ease while still having a life and like i laugh because it just keeps on getting slower i'm like in three years i'm gonna be doing ceramics and painting <laughs> and gardening. i'm like y'all aren't gonna see me online but, no, yeah. but it's interesting of like just that evolution though because again at the beginning it's hard and don't get me wrong i'll share a little bit like of a vulnerable moment as well it's not easy. And I think sometimes when we think about shifting our lives and also redefining what we want that to look like, ambition can get the best of us. And yeah. we can pretend or distract like, oh, no, but it's good because like I don't take meetings. on. I'm, I'm speaking about myself. I don't take meetings on Wednesday, but Tuesday to Thursday, I I have headaches because I'm in so many back to back, you know, and so I am proudly bald. But a lot of people think it's style. It's actually because. I lost my hair at the age of 24, maybe 25 to alopecia. And this story for me, I was living in Spain for a couple of years. And in my head, I was like, oh, I did it. I have my lunch on Fridays, although I'm doing all these things. It's not as much as when I was in New York. So like, check, we checked that off the list until one day I came home and my hair just started falling out. I didn't know what alopecia was at the time. And it was this really pivotal moment in my life because I had to ask myself the question, number one, who do you want to be authentically? So like making sure that I am the same, no matter in what room I show up in. Um, and then also like redefining my identity, almost of being able to say, what is the life that I want to be living? Because although I've changed things on the outside, I haven't really done that inner work to understand who I am and what I want. And I say this because like, again, distractions are really easy. I moved to Spain and for the first few years I was like, 
this is great. But really it was like, no, Sienna, you have to sit down and do more of that inner work of like, who are you authentically and what is the life you want to be living? Yeah. And like, how do you want to heal that and unlearn that to be able to almost create even more alignment, you know? And our body talks to us before anything else does when we don't want to listen, you know? 100%. And I was, so my question to you is, do you feel in a way that you were running from something? Girl, of course. What? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's also one of those things where, again, and I think it's super honest to be transparent because, like, yes, it could be really inspirational that I've been living in Spain for 10 years. Yeah, right. But the reality is, it's like, of course, granted, I was also 22. So I was just on that first chapter of adulthood. But I had the sense that, like, I didn't actually know who I was. I knew who I was in relation to everyone else and who I needed to be for other people. But I hadn't really had the opportunity to say, okay, silence all of the noise, be with yourself and figure out who you actually are. And I think I talk about this a lot, but like, we all have a deep inner fear of actually sitting with ourselves. Yeah, you know? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's also like, what are we going to hear? Are we ready to hear that? Does that mean if we listen now we have to make the change, but this is comfortable. So like, let me just scroll on Instagram or let me just call someone that I haven't caught up with, or let me just work for an extra hour on that project because that'll be easier than actually like sitting in silence. And so something I've really started fostering to and don't get me wrong it is hard like mm -hmm. I it, it's hard work but I think it's important to be able to say how can I actually look at myself in the mirror this is a practice that I had to do with myself but look at myself in the mirror and say take all of the titles away take all of the accolades away take all of the external recognition away do I like the person that I am and am I content with the life that I'm living when I take all of that away yeah. and like <laughs> That's not an easy question, you know? It's heavy. Yeah. And, and I can relate to that because what, what led to me taking this sabbatical and this um, moment of opting out of my previous life, which now is just a complete lifestyle pivot, my the stripping of my day-to-day -day title as mom right? Like my son left to go and live with his dad across the country. And mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, I really, truly thought I was a more well-rounded person, but absent of him, mm -hmm. I was like, girl, who are you? Like, you have no hobbies. Like, if somebody were to add, like, you know, I'm still trying to date and they're like, well, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, watch Real Housewives of Potomac. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's awful. <laughs> Oh, listen, it's always nice to like have a nice little couch chill set. I get what you mean. But like that can't be like that's not a hobby of mine, you know. So I didn't have anything that I really did on my downtime. I didn't have mm -hmm. I didn't have my um outlet for creativity anymore. Yeah. I turned my outlet of creativity into a business, which mm -hmm. then became work, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I didn't want that anymore. And so it really took me a long time, a period of serious depression, mm -hmm. you know, um, because I, here I was in my forties at that. And I was like, what, who am I, you yeah. know? And so part of this sabbatical, I feel like was me trying to run and escape mm -hmm. all of the, the, um, 
just muck that would still continually come up of my old life because besides mm -hmm. myself there were other things that you know were going on and happened that I was trying to escape but it's also this period of me being still right mm -hmm. and, and finding who I am and following the assignment that I know God has placed on my life right now um and being okay and I still have those mm -hmm. moments where I'm like, let me go check LinkedIn jobs <laughs> like, or, or what, what am I going to do to really earn a living? Even though eventually it's like, I'm, I'm good for a little bit. I'm not good forever, but I'm okay right now in this yeah. moment, right? Like the power of now, D you are okay, but my nervous system and muscle memory yeah. right, keeps telling me that I'm not. And mm. that you know, it, it, it triggers all of these like insecurities and anxiety inside of me that says, girl, go back and hustle, 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 work, 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 when I'm supposed to be taking a moment out. Right. And so that, that anxiety that you feel to run, but also when you get to where you're running to that anxiety that makes you want to revert again, right? And go back to what you just came from. It's a mm -hmm. constant balancing act, like day by day, right? You're you're on the future side here and then you're in the past, right? And you're trying to find that middle ground to stay in the now. And that's, yeah. I mean, it's a daily walk for all of us. It really is. It's so true. And I think again, like as you're talking through this, it's something we all feel this and we all go through this emotion, right? Of being able to say, how, yeah, how are we finding the balance? And I've been reading The Art of Living, highly recommended to everyone. Maybe we can add it in the show notes. I will mispronounce his name, so I don't want to do him that disservice, but it's an amazing book and it's really talking a lot about like the present moment, interconnectedness, all of it. And so like every single page is has multiple underlines, but I say that to say that I think that's really where the power lies, right? Of being able to say, okay, although you might be, you or the collective you, we might be in transitions or figuring out what does that reinvention look like? But I think something that's really important to think about is that like also generationally things are passed down and right. And so also if our nervous systems aren't calm, it's also probably because like our nervous systems haven't been calm for a long time, right? And so- Pardon the interruption, as I hope you are enjoying this amazing episode of the Black Woman Opt-Out Podcast. This is just a friendly reminder to grab your opt-out swag and represent the Black Woman Opt-Out movement for Black women everywhere. From hoodies to t-shirts, hats, and mugs, the basics collection of the Black Woman Opt-Out is available now at theblackwomanoptout.com. And please, be sure to tag us when you post your amazing pics and our amazing swag. Now, back to the podcast. It's also honoring that and being able to say, okay, how can I understand that? And how can I also work to heal that in our own way? And so for me, I talk a lot about intention, leading with intention, living with intention, et cetera. And like the secondary definition of intention is the healing process of a wound. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's just really important to sit with because as we look to do things with intention, we are also going through a process of healing, of unlearning, of deeper self-awareness, of deeper compassion for others, all of these different things. And that takes time and that needs silence. 
we can't have those insights if we're going at a million miles an hour. But instead, I'm going to be a little woo-woo here. But um, I was talking with one of my coaches the other day. And I was talking about like the beauty of an alchemist. And I was like having this visualization of sitting in a center of a circle and everyone is running around so quickly that you can't even see where they are. Mm -hmm. But little by little, people slowly start slowing down and coming. And I think that's when we gain that visibility. And I also, it shows up in all areas and aspects of our lives. Like one thing that I really value is as a leader, something that I'm able to do is pause and like take a step back to gain that holistic picture and not just be able to say, where have we been in the past and what's been a struggle? Where are we at now where we can't really see because it's still a little bit murky as we're making changes and then where do we want to be? But how do we make sure we're not trying to do three-year plans in six months? And how do we make sure that like we're properly, we're properly integrating moments to pause and reflect? So in the same way you would when you're doing a sprint, if you're on a product team or whatever, you're doing a sprint at the end, you go back and you do reflection. So like, how are we also creating those moments for ourselves on a daily, weekly basis to like pause and reflect? Because I think oftentimes we go through this process of thinking that it's also not possible. And something I do with my clients is like, if I have done X, I know that I can do Y, mm -hmm. right? Because oftentimes, and I'll explain a little bit more. So like, if I've done X, for example, if I have... I'm going to personal, like navigated a hardship that was hard, then I know I can deal with a frustrating coworker. Because yeah. in perspective, it's like, we know we can do it, but giving ourselves that mental clarity to also trust ourselves and also listen to our intuition as well. Yeah, it's so it, that's very similar to um, something that I also, also have people practice, right? It's this idea of especially when that muscle memory kicks in, right? So for, for women like me who were struggling single moms for a very long time, financially, physically, like every, every, all of the things, right? Mm -hmm. There is this, um, no matter how much money you make, there is this fear that you will once again be on that welfare line, right? Waiting for your WIC check, waiting for, you know, your medical assistance to come through to make sure your child is taken. Like there is still that, that underwriting fear. I don't care who it is. They can tell you, they can have a million dollars in the world and say, I have no care in the world. They're, they're lying. There is still that muscle memory. You remember what it was like right? And the fear of ever going back there can haunt you. Yeah. I, and I do, I say this to myself all the time, D, if you made it through that, now you know how to. So you yeah. can do it yes. again. Yes. You can do it again, right? And you're standing here today, much better off than you were before. So if you did it once, God, God forbid, right? That you have to do it again, but girl, you got this, right? Yeah. Like, do it again. Um, and, it, and it's this idea of trusting yourself, right? Trusting that intuition, trusting that um, you are more powerful than you give yourself credit for on most days. Now, yeah. there's the other side of that where I, I have said this before, like resilient, strength, strong power woman like I like those I want to remove those from my, my vocabulary I don't want to be those anymore right like, I don't want to have to 
be those anymore because I don't want those situations to like keep arising where it's like, oh, that resiliency is kicking in because that means that yeah. I've down again, yet again, right? Like I'm looking for stability at this point in my life, right? And so identifying, much like you said, your values previously may have contained resilient, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want that to be a part of my narrative anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want other people looking at me and seeing all of the hardships that I have gone through and am going through currently and saying, mm -hmm. it looks so easy. That's not a compliment anymore to me. Yeah. No, before, yeah, it got me. But now it's just like, you know what? Am I doing other people a disservice by making it look so easy? And can I add something on? Because I I love everything about this. And I was like, I will go with you to the grave on this because I think it's so important. And like, it's so funny. Before when people used to do the icebreakers, they're like, what are three words you would use to describe yourself? And my first one was always resilient. Mm -hmm. And when I really went through this process, and I want to say this was back in 2019, but it was really interesting because like I was in therapy, I was also doing coaching sessions, and I was trying to define like, what does femininity mean to me? Mm -hmm. And something that I really had to dive into was like, I have a lot of masculine energy. I know that I'm aware of that, but it's like, I also had to use that a lot when I was in survival mode, when I needed to be able to find a plan, make it happen, execute, not need anyone, only call on myself because I can't depend on anyone else. All of these different narratives, it got me to the point where I was able to say, thank you for how much you have been able to serve me. We're not going to say goodbye yet, but like you're going to be on a back burner right now. And I really did a lot of work on like understanding number one, what does that mean for me? Again, that was very loaded because I had a lot of societal beliefs around like so many things, being a black woman, also being a black woman abroad, also thinking about just like all the layers of femininity and also the fact that historically we haven't really been able to own whatever that means for us. And so that was a huge lifestyle shift that I made of being able to say, okay, I have that in my back pocket when I need it. And trust me, give me a good Excel sheet and let me put together like a strategic roadmap. I have you. But right. at the same time, it's also at a place where it's like, okay, do I need to be the person that's leading this? Instead, can I ask for support? Can I ask for partnership? And yeah, again, it's like, it's all about defining what that means and what that looks like for you. And it actually really helped me in partnership. And it was really funny because before I met my partner, I was doing a lot, I'm always doing a lot of self-work, but I was doing a lot of exploration specifically around myself in relationships. And it was interesting because again, that masculine energy, that independence, that I'm okay on my own is great and was great. But as I was doing some of that, I was like, yeah, but also if I have where I'm attracting a partner, is that the role that I necessarily want to hold in the relationship? Because I promise you it's not where like I can do it, but what does that look like? And it was really fun. I mean, not funny. It's great. And I love my partner. He's wonderful. But that was something that I had to learn. We were first starting to get into partnership of being able to say, okay, Sienna, can you do it all? Yes. But if someone's offering to support you, don't question them. Don't ask like, why don't say, no, I've got it. When in reality, it's like, yes, you can get it, but do you need to? And then if you don't, what else can that create space for, for you to be able to really embody and focus on the things that matter? But again, oh my God, get out of my therapist session. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> it's so true though, because again, it's like it, 
I think that's something we don't realize when we think about it for like personal or professional, but like it over, it overlaps and it almost integrates into everything in your life because it's like the way you show up in some ways will be the way you show up in all ways. So like, yeah. So I had to learn and my son taught me this lesson and it was a very, very hard lesson. Um, But I didn't even realize when he was younger that I had to be both masculine and feminine for him, right? His dad was not around at all. And it was this idea of I had to discipline him, right? Because I'm I'm raising, I want to raise a decent human being and somebody who's kind and all, you know, and who has no has knows boundaries and all of these things, right? But but then I had to turn around and be the nurturer to comfort him when he was feeling, you know, upset by the discipline that I had just given him. Mm. As he got older, and he's 15 now, he was able to verbalize to me that he didn't feel safe with me as his nurturer. Mm. And it's hard to swallow, but I had to do some self-reflecting and try to understand why. And it was because he's always been a very sensitive child right and he could not reconcile nor was his brain and his young brain able to comprehend that mom had to be both roles right that masculine and feminine energy where Mm -hmm. for me he really just needed that soft place to land and Mm -hmm. i thought i had to overcompensate unknowing to me right it was never something that i consciously said you've got to overcompensate because his dad Mm -hmm. is it was just this was the role that i picked up right Mm-hmm. So through his lesson and through his eyes, I am learning and have learned to be softer, right? And release that masculine energy that I I know is what got me through all of those hard, dark times, you know what I mean? But now in this phase of my life, and this is something that my therapist and I are going through, and I, mm-hmm. I think I just downloaded my word for 2024. I think it's going to be received. Oh, yes. I think yeah. that's what it needs to be for me because mm-hmm. I don't feel that in my relationships, um, reciprocity mm-hmm. has been a thing. I'm always giving. I'm always, you know, doing the most and making sure that I do everything in my power. Like I'm that type of person I need to know that I've done everything in my power before I can sleep well at night to make something work, right? And I think that in this opt-out phase, in this soft life, in this slow living, whatever we want to call it, for me, I think my word for next year needs to be received. And that will remind me to sit back and let those things come to me instead of having to exude that masculine energy of go, 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 get it, right? Um, And it does put you in a different frame of mind when you're embracing this feminine energy, right? Rather than feeling like you always have to do all the things, which is more of that masculine energy. It's a very different live from. Yeah. The one thing that I would add, I love, I am celebrating that for you because I think that's such a beautiful shift truly. And what it's also making me think of um, when I was going through a similar process of like, what is that receiving looks like? What does that support look like? What does that abundance look like? 
I also had to be very proactive with myself while also being able to say, how can you also start owning and naming what you need? And for me, that truly changed so many different things in my life, but of really being able to say, how can I name what I need? How can I create those boundaries? And also how can I be honest, both with myself as well as with others on what that is? And I think that's really allowed for me to shape. And again, it's a lot of unlearning. So there was a situation that happened recently where my values and I was thinking about like aligning on support, abundance, ease. And then a situation happened where something presented itself to me. And my first reaction was like, no, what, how, no, that came, are you sure X, Y, Z? And I was like, girl, are you not trying to work in alignment with abundance and ease when it's showing up? Being able to also acknowledge when you are falling into those past patterns, like what we spoke about, but then also saying, oftentimes receiving can happen when you actually name what you need, because the more that we speak and put things into action, especially if you're in a chapter in transition, as you start to gain more of that clarity, projecting a little bit of what that was, like a great example, when I was an English teacher, nobody knew because I was the founder of X, Y, and Z, because that was the narrative that I wanted to hold, right? If someone asked me, of course, I, te I teach English as well, but I viewed that as on the side, but it's knowing, naming, owning that, and then also getting comfortable to do it unapologetically, right? Because at first it can feel really uncomfortable of like, <laughs> At the beginning, I was like holding all the water leaders, the bags. Yes. Do you want help? No, I had it because I know I could do it. But then it's also oh. like, your shoulders are hurting. Oh. Put a bag down, pass yeah. it over. And like catching yourself in those small moments and starting to experiment and practice in different areas of your life. Yeah. So, you know, when when we when we first spoke, you know, we we were talking about this idea of right, like opting out of the American dream. Yeah. And you've been abroad now in Spain for nearly 10 years. What do you feel the biggest benefit, right, of you opting out of this American dream has been for you? How much time do we have? No. <laughs> About 10 more minutes before <laughs> I'll, no, I love it. I'll I'll bucket into three things and I'll give this context and background into like, I truly believe, well, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which originally came from a previous hierarchy of needs, more centered on community, but we'll focus on Maslow for now, really focuses on what do we need for self-actualization, yeah. right? Simple things, safety, belonging, our basic needs met, recognition. I'm ad hoc now, it's late. But when we think about that, it's what we need for self-actualization. And I think in my time in Spain, it comes down to three things. Number one, safety. Um, and that is physical, emotional, financial safety in a variety of ways. Number two is the quality of life. And I say that because there's a focus on living more than there is a focus on working. And we can dig into that and the third thing that I would say is, this is kind of silly, but being able to define what the dream is for Sienna, right? Because again, I also think for me, my life is kind of, it's like, it's not the American dream, but there are some aspects of that that are integrated in my life. It's not necessarily the Spanish dream. And there are some aspects of that that are integrated, but this thought of, yeah, how can we create a dream and a path that feels right for us, integrating the things that serve us most? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and I think one thing that people should understand is 
your version of opting out of the American dream actually meant moving and living someplace else. But opting out of the American dream does not mean that you don't have to live in America, right? It's just these preconceived notions of what should be and move to what could be based on your values, based on how you want to live, right? Like, like you said earlier, in a few years, like you might want to be gardening. And, you know, if that is your dream right now, then fine. But that is not necessarily the well, I will say the black woman American dream, right? Mm-hmm. For us, the, the American dream has been, you know, we have to work hard, we have to support our family, we have to climb that corporate ladder, you know, the, the, the titles, the money, the income, the private school for the kids, right? Like all of that um, achievement of what we've seen white Americans get, mm-hmm. right? Become yeah. American dream. Whereas for, for pe- people of, non-color i will say you know they their wives garden a lot they're already gardening they're already wearing the big sun hats and all of that right so the american dream for what it has been positioned for you and opting mm-hmm. out of that is i think at the root of what we're talking about today it does not necessarily have to be your physical location right it is this idea that you have been since you were born fed little seeds of expectations fed little seeds of what should be right and and the life i would challenge most people and say that the life that you are living right now is not the life you would have created for yourself had you just not had any influence right like had it just been left up to you and who um, you naturally developed into and who you, um, you know, all of the things that you would have just done as a person, you're not living that life. And mm-hmm. at I know for me, if I had it my way and I did not feel like I needed to get my MBA and feel like I needed to climb that corporate ladder in order to give my son a better life and make the money, which I still wasn't making. And we were still struggling, right? Like mm-hmm. all of Girl, I would have been a hotel and spa reviewer so quickly. And I would have been, I would have been out like and taking my me. And now through, you know, social media, I see that those things were possible. It's just that that wasn't the dream that was fed to me. Yeah. I didn't get those seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love this. I want to lean in here because this is so important. Also, I'm like, you better use this sabbatical to start checking out hotels and food stuff. Like, let's start integrating that now. But it's so funny. So, like, I'll paint a little story and then I'll move back to what this means. When I was younger, I really wanted to be a mermaid to the point where, like, my mom got me the little mermaid book with my name instead of Ariel. It was cute. Love you, mom. Um, that was always a dream, right? And then again, you have this like lanky four, fourth grader with glasses going to swimming lessons, um, all these different things. And now I think about it, it's like I literally live 10 minutes from the Mediterranean Ocean where I swim as a daily practice during the summer. And it's this thought of like, oftentimes that those like dreams of our inner child or those things that we wanted to kind of have fostered or created a nest for when we were younger is oftentimes like the the subtle the subtle calling in those dreams and I think it's really important to also think about and I'm losing my train of thought for a second but give me it's going to come back to me Mm -hmm. being able to think about 
generationally, how can we understand past generations to then be able to move forward? And I say this because like, specifically we are at such a special and important time where I think black women right now, we have a level of consciousness and awareness and willing and dedication to make change where for our children, or maybe they're your children, your younger siblings, your nieces or nephews, whatever that might be, that generation will have a different upbringing. And I think it's so important because I was doing a lot of like healing work with like past generations, understanding my mom, my grandma, my dad as people, not just as their roles. And it really allowed for me to gain healing and being able to say, oh, I also get, right? I get why some of those things were enforced in me because when they were younger, they had to, et cetera. And so I don't know, but I think it gives us a cool opportunity to be able to say, what is the legacy, which is why I talk about legacy, the legacy that we want to leave, right? I'm like, when I decide to have children, they are going to be naked running around in a field somewhere. And I'm going to be so excited because that's freedom for them. And for me, when I think about the dream or the American dream or whatever, it's finding what freedom means to you and doing what you can to be able to work towards that. But then also being unafraid because people are going to have opinions. People are going to have thoughts, but being unafraid of what that is, because again, you trust yourself and whatever higher power that you believe in strongly enough to be able to say it's already written in my name, but it's up to us to have that responsibility of saying, how can we show up for that bigger vision and trust that we're worthy and deserving of that as well. You know? Yeah. Wow. Well, I don't know that we could have ended on a better note. <laughs> I was to say, give us some parting words of wisdom, but it might drop right there. Mm. This has been so special to share this space with you. Um, I am eternally grateful for you taking the time to spend with us. I'm eternally grateful for your wisdom, for your transparency. Um, and again, you know, we go through things, I believe not for us, mm. it's for other people um, and to help them through. Um, so Sienna, just let everybody know where they can find you if they'd like to connect with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And again, it's been such an honor to be on. You can find me. And again, if there's anything that you love from this episode, feel free to shout us out. You can find me at Sienna J. Brown almost anywhere, mostly on Instagram, on LinkedIn as well at Sienna J. Brown. And then feel free to check out my website for additional resources and ways that we can connect. I really appreciate it. And I am so grateful to have you have me here and also for a really great conversation. I was like, I'm excited to re-listen get some notes and like all of the moments that we shared for sure yeah, absolutely well all right everybody thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the black woman opt-out podcast i truly truly pray that you gleaned some great information from this episode re-listen if you need to jot down notes look things up whatever it is that you have to do to really support yourself on your opt-out journey and be sure to tune in again for the next episode i am your host deandra coleman talk to you all later hey deandra coleman here thank you again for listening to this episode of the black woman opt-out podcast I want to encourage you or someone that you know to apply to be a guest if you are interested in sharing your opt-out journey. We are always looking for Black women who are ready to amplify their voice and engage in meaningful dialogues that destigmatize opting out, promoting mental health, 
self-discovery, and challenging societal expectations. Contact us at theblackwomenoptout.com, scroll down to be a guest, and fill out the application there.